that's the, the best case scenario. Now, how many knows that we do not live in the best case scenario? We live in the real world. In our lifetime, you, you and I have seen in our lifetime the liberation of children and parents. And as a result of the liberation of the children and the liberation of the parents, the, the average or what the Bible calls a normal home no longer or seldom exists. In our world in which we operate today, the, the Bible home is a fading and a disappearing entity. Now, so in, in place of that, we have what we call latchkey kids. We have kids who get up in the morning and dress themselves and make their own breakfast, go to school, and their parents are not there when they get up, and their parents are not there when they get home. They come in later, but the result of the liberation of children and parents is that we have latchkey kids. We have live-ins. We have multiple partners. We have partners of the same sex raising children. Amen? We have foster homes. We have street kids. We have single parents, and we have relatives, and we have grandparents raising children. We have state daycare centers, and, all, and we have professional babysitters, and the list goes on and on and on. What are these a result of? These are a result of the liberation of the children as well as the parents. And as a result of that, we have all of these things. So we live in a real world that is not really what the Bible would call the perfect world. Now, all of these have become substitute homes for America's youth. No wonder America's youth is confused. Look how they're raised. It's no wonder that of the values that, that, that we have in America today is all broken and confused because look where we live. No wonder there's a breakdown in moral values. Look how we live. Look how our world and our system is. Guy Dowd in 1986 was voted Teacher of the Year. He said it this way, You, Mom and Dad, are the molder of your children's dreams. E.M. Bounds, who was a a popular writer of yesterday said this. He said, the worst danger that confronts the younger generation is the example set by the older generation. Okay, yeah, can I get a witness? The greatest danger to this present generation is the example that has been set by the older generation. You are leaving something behind in a positive or negative way, whether you realize it or not, or whether you want to even think about it or not. Somebody is watching our life, and we're leaving something behind. And it's affecting the next generation. Linda Burnett, co-author of the book, The Unwanted Generation, says this, and I quote, I am certain that my children would not develop the confidence and security in which they will depend throughout their lives to the same extent at a daycare center than they would at home. There seldom is an adequate substitute for the real parents. Raising children in our day is both the most difficult and rewarding task God calls parents to do. The infant stage of our children's lives are brief and yet the most important psychologically. After they are little, we will never again have a comparable opportunity to shape the lives of our children for good. Now listen to this. 85% of their personality traits are formed in the first five years of their lives. And most, in most cases, the first five years of their lives are not spent with parents. The majority of the time that the children that are raised today spend is at, is at daycare centers, are professional babysitters, are their latchkey kids, they, the TV raised them, and all that other stuff. And then we want them, when we wonder and sit back and wonder, why is the world like it is today? I'll tell you why. Because the older generation hadn't set too good an example. All right, come on. Can we, can we talk? Can we talk this morning? 
Now, I want you to go, before we get too depressed, before we get too out of bounds, I want, I want the guy in the booth to go to Matthew chapter 1 and go to verse 2. Now listen, I want to ask you a question. All of this great information, all of these writers, that's all great and true. But most of us came from the real world and we are all less than perfect. Can we get a witness here? Especially when it comes to raising children. Let me ask you a question. What is your family history really like? Now, I'm gonna, you know, some, a lot of people don't spend a whole lot of time reading the genealogies in the Bible. I mean, when I go to the book of First and Second Chronicles, I, I have to be honest with you, I, I skip through that pretty quickly. In fact, I can't even pronounce most of those dudes' names. So-and-so begot so-and-so, and so-and-so begot so-and-so, and so-and-so begot so-and-so. But Matthew starts off with so-and-so begot so-and-so. And let me, let me just go through here. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Now stop right there. Now, if, if you know the rest of the story, you can also put up there liar and cheater and thief. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Was Abraham less than perfect? <laughs> well, he lied several times, didn't he? That's just among many of his problems that he had as a father. Father Abraham had many sons, and Father Abraham was less than perfect. In fact, he lied a lot. He lied whenever it was convenient, but this was the one that God picked. And most of us, if, we, if I went back in your family tree, there was probably some liars in your family tree. In fact, you may have lied a few times. Not really sure, but lying comes pretty normal to all of us. Have you ever noticed that it's almost easier to tell a lie than the truth? Come on now, don't get quiet on me now. Are we living in the real world? Okay, this, this, now Abraham begot Isaac. Now Isaac, I can't find too much dirt on Isaac because he was a type of Christ. And even though he probably had some dirt, the Bible didn't tell it. But now you come to Jacob. Now how many, anybody named Jacob here? If your name is Jacob, change it. If you named your kid Jacob or you're even thinking about having a kid and calling him Jacob, change your mind today. If he lives up to his name, he'll be a cheater. He'll be a deceiver. He'll, he'll be a, a thief. I mean, he'll rob you blind. I mean, not, not, not really, but this, this one did. This one did. How many knows the story of Jacob? He was called the heel catcher, the supplanter. I, I mean, everything he could do to get ahead, Jacob was out for nobody but Jacob. He stole the birthright from his brother for a bowl of beans. I mean, he, he robbed his uncle Laban. Even though Laban did him bad, but Jacob was a little bit worse. I mean, he was a smart critter. Now, so we got, so when we see this, if you know the rest of the story, man, it, it's, it's a tough family tree. Now, how many has some ancestors here? I mean, all of us have a family tree. Unless you're Adam, you got a history. Now, I've got a family tree. I know some of your family trees. Go to the third verse and look at this. Judah begot Perez and Zerah. Now, Perez and Zerah were twins by Tamar. Now, what do I see here? Now, I'm talking about family trees, and we're living in less than a perfect world. Okay? Judah was the tribe that, that uh, was called praise. In fact, his name means praise. And you think, well, Judah was a great guy. Uh, no, Judah was a liar. Judah made false promises. In fact, Tamar was his daughter-in-law. Did you know that? 
And in those days, when you was married into the family and your husband died, if he was a woman, then it was by law you were supposed to get the next son in line. Well, Judah, uh, uh, Tamar married into the family. Her first husband died. God killed him. Now that'll go a long ways. Make you straighten up, won't it? So God killed him. So Judah comes along and says, you can have my next son. She marries the next son. God killed him. If I was the next in line, I wouldn't want to marry her either. I mean, after her first two husbands died, I mean, after, after God killed the first two, I am not lining up. Well, it just so happened that his third son was young. Lucky him. <laughs> so he tells her, he says, you just wait. And when, when my youngest son gets old enough, I'll let you marry him. Now, he's probably hoping that she'll go away. Because he probably loves his third son and he's seen the first two didn't fare too, too well. So he forgot about it. How many knows this story? How many's ever read this story? Not three hands. Would you like to hear the rest of it? I mean, we got some dirt on this family tree. Okay? So Tamar dresses up like a prostitute. She realizes that Judah's lied to her, not, not, not plan on her marrying and staying in his family. So she dresses up like a prostitute, sets outside a house in town. When Judah comes by, he says, hello. How are you? She said, fine. She had a veil across her face. He didn't recognize her. So he goes in. Long story short, didn't have enough money to cover the bill. So he leaves some personal possessions there. Can we talk? Are we adults here? We can talk. In the process of time, they found out she's pregnant. Judah says, well, she needs to die the death of the wicked. She's pregnant out of wedlock. She's going to die. Brings her in front of the judges, and she says, by the, by the person who owns this stuff, I am pregnant. It was his. It was his stuff. Well, that changed his mind right away. He repented. Because, see, by law, he's the next one to get killed. <laughs> That'll change your mind if you're next to get killed. Now, notice, she has twin sons, and Perez... The illegitimate son becomes a real important person. Go to verse 4. Check this out. I can't pronounce all that stuff. Go to verse 5. <laughs> that's, what you do. that's what you do when you're preaching and you can't pronounce the names. But we'll dig up some dirt on these folks here. You can dig up some dirt on the folks in the last verse. Hey, verse 5, go back. <laughs> go back to 5. How many knows who Boaz was? Nobody knows who Boaz was. Boaz, now I, I'm not sure in the lineage. Now, I, I'll just tell you about Rahab. Evidently it has here that, that uh, Boaz was a son of Rahab, but I'm not sure if that lineage is right, but I know some dirt on her. How many knows who she was? Huh? Four people. In Jericho, she lived on the wall. She was a prostitute. She ran a house of prostitution. And she was the one that hid the spies that came into Jericho to spy out Jericho when the children of Israel were coming over into the land of Canaan. She was, she was the prostitute that hid those spies. As a result of that, she found favor with God. Okay, now we're talking about family trees, and all of us have some. 
We're talking about less than, than a, a less than perfect world. About where we have the perfect that God says, and then we have the things that we really live with. And all of us has a family tree that has a few nuts on it. Can we talk? I mean, there's some people in our family tree we don't talk about. We just kind of, well, they're there, but we hope they don't come around. Or if they come for a visit, we're hoping they don't stay long. You know what I mean? Now, can we talk? Are we being real here? Okay. So Rahab was a prostitute. How many knows who Ruth was? See, you're learning a lot of stuff today, aren't you? Ruth is a short book in the Bible. It tells a great story. She was a Moabitess. How many knows where the Moabites came from? See, you're learning a lot of stuff today. The Moabites began as a product of incest between Lot and his daughters. And one of the daughters, both the daughters conceived, one of them conceived by her father, had a son named him Moab. And from Moab came the Moabites. Ruth was the Moabites. It wasn't even lawful for them to enter the temple until the 10th generation because of their past. But somewhere along the line, she found favor with God and married Obed. Now go to verse 6. And Jesse begot David, the king. Now notice this. And he begot Solomon by who had been the wife of Uriah. How many knows the story? It's getting more popular, isn't it? How many knows that David had Bathsheba's husband killed so that he could marry her? So there's murder in this. I mean, this family tree is pretty dark. I mean, this family tree has some real stuff in it, in the background. We're talking about a family tree that's less than perfect. We're talking about God's perfect world, God's perfect family, being a place of evangelism in the home. And then he's showing us the real, the real world and how in our history or in our past or in our lineage, there could be less than perfect people. How many knows that Uriah was one of David's mighty men? He was not just a friend of the king. He was a mighty man. He was in his, he was in his closest palace guards. In order to be one of David's mighty men, you had to do great feats of, of battle. You have, had to, you have had to have won great victories and killed many people. You had to be faithful to the king. So we're talking about somebody that's not just somebody in the army somewhere. We're talking about an up-close, personal friend of the king who is messing around with his wife. It's getting quiet. Can we talk? So then when Bathsheba gets pregnant, David says, I got to get rid of the husband. And he has Uriah put in the hottest part of the battle. And when the battle gets hot, he has told the general, he said, pull back all support and leave him there by himself. And Uriah was killed in battle. But it actually, the bottom line was, it was murder. Now all of this, whose genealogy is this? Whose family tree is this? Who? This is the family tree of Jesus. This is where Jesus, if he would put his family tree up on a wall, there would be a lot of things there that he'd probably want to steer you away from. And I'm persuaded to believe today that our family trees, if we would put them up there, would maybe read just about as bad as this family tree. But here's the good news. If we live in a less than perfect world, 
And, and yes, we do live, but there is still hope because you are not bound by your past. Your past does not determine your future. If Jesus was looking for an excuse to fail, because of his family tree, he had every reason to fail, but he didn't. And I'm telling you here today, don't allow your family tree, yes, it's less than perfect, but I'm telling you, God doesn't consider your family tree when he's dealing with your life because your future is not bound or hindered by the family tree you came from. There is no illegitimate children. There's illegitimate parents. Let me run that by you again. There's no such thing as illegitimate child. There is such a thing as illegitimate parents. You can have sex and have a child, but that doesn't make you illegitimate parents. See, we're living in a less than perfect world. But the child is not bound by the family tree. Not only do we have a family tree, we have a personal history. What is your personal history? The personal history is all the decisions you have made for as long as you've been alive. I would like to tell you today, I've always made great decisions. And how many knows that you're not supposed to lie when you're in the pulpit? <laughs> Perez was born out of wedlock. He was born to a, in fact, he was, his grandfather, which would have been, it became his father. And he could have used that to be a failure, but he didn't. He, did, he wasn't bound in bondage to his family tree. But God used him in the process of bringing Jesus into the world. And so I want you to understand that we live in a less than perfect world, but that should not hinder you or, or cage you or keep you connected to your path because God has a future for you and your future is not dependent upon your family tree. It's dependent upon the decisions you make in your life on your own. And God, if God be for you, who can be against you? You can have all kinds of nuts hanging on your family tree and we all do. We all do. Listen to me. So we, have, we live in a less than perfect world. We have less than a perfect family tree, but we are serving a perfect God. You have a personal history. Your personal history is made up of all of the decisions, everything in your life since coming into the world. And we've all made our share of good and bad decisions. And all of those things that have affected who we are today. Now listen to me very carefully this morning. Our past is made up of things some things we had absolutely no control over, and then they're made up of things that we did. But here's the challenge. Refuse to let your legacy decide your future. Refuse to let your past failures hold you in bondage. Rahab could have allowed her past failures to hold her in bondage, but she chose a different direction. And one day she made a great decision. hope all of you today has made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. That's the greatest decision that you'll ever make in your life. And from that decision, you can form a perfect future doesn't mean you always make perfect and good decisions. You won't. But if you have Jesus in your life, you'll correct those things. You'll correct them. Because Jesus coming into our life doesn't mean that we just always make the right decisions. Because it doesn't. Start giving to the given. Here's the challenge. Start giving the gift 
of a positive legacy to those coming after you. You may have less than a perfect past, but just make a decision today that you're going to start giving the next generation a positive legacy to look for today and start making some good decisions today concerning your future and leave something positive for those people that are coming to come along behind you. Thirdly, actively seek to begin to influence the next generation for good. There has to be a point in your time when you say, you know, I, I'm, I've made a mess of things up to now, but I think I'm going to make a, a decision, and I'm going to start doing what's right today to leave something. Up. You're going to leave something behind one way or the other. You're either going to leave something positive for your children or, or something negative, but it's going to be made by your decision. And I challenge you today, start making some good decisions today. It's not too late. This year, I want you and I to live intentionally. We're, 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 in the, we're in the first month of a brand new year. We're in the 21st century, and I want you as a believer to start living intentionally. What do I mean by that? I want you to intentionally start making some good decisions. And, and listen, if you are not a committed Christian and if there's not enough evidence in your life to convict you in a court of law, don't tell your child that you are. Don't tell your child you're a committed Christian if, if you are not a committed Christian because children are, are honest enough to know that, that you, how you're living. So if you're going to start something positive, then start something positive by being committed to the Lord. And what I mean by being committed, then you need to be faithful to church. I said you need to be faithful to God and faithful to church because they go hand in hand. You can, don't tell your child you're a committed Christian and, and you come to church like you maybe, you know, maybe take a shower once a week. Come on. Get involved in church. That's what, that's, that goes along with being committed to God. If you're committed to God, you're committed to God's program. You're involved in God's program. You're plugged in somewhere into a local fellowship. They're involved in evangelism. And if you're not, don't tell your child you're a committed Christian because you're not. You're a believer in word only. You have no evidence. James says, if you show me a man of faith, I'll show you a man of works. And if you don't have works backing up your confession, you have no faith. Don't now see, America, America's so confused today is because everybody's a Christian. Everybody's a Christian. There's nobody goes to hell anymore. If you don't notice that, if you know nobody goes to hell anymore. Well, people go to hell. People do go to hell. Unbelievers go to hell. And if you're a Christian, you're walking the way this book tells you to walk, or you're not a Christian. Now, I can't be any plainer than that. But that's the truth. You're going to walk the way this book tells you to walk, or quit deceiving yourself. There's going to be some fruit in your life. And now I'm meddling, aren't I? I was telling the church on Wednesday night, some football player makes a touchdown pass, points up to God and gets shot in the rear coming out of a strip club. <laughs> Hello? I give God all the glory. Get out of town. Something wrong with that picture. But see, that's the world's idea of a Christian. As long as you say I'm a Christian, you can get shot in the rear coming out of a strip club. But that's not what that book says. But you're giving the next generation a false front, a false, a false hope, a false faith. You're not giving them something positive. You have to have something positive going on in your life. You've got to have the power of the Holy Ghost working in your life. You've got to be committed to this thing. 
It's more than just pointing up in the air and knocking a home run with a cork bat. I got the wrong one. I happened to pick the wrong bat out of the rack. No, you didn't. You're trying to break a home run record the wrong way. Didn't he's just giving me vitamin B12 shots? No, he's not. He's giving you steroids. Come on. We're given a false, we're given a false view to the next generation that you can be a Christian and do all this stuff. No, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. You've got to be committed to this thing and leave the next generation's footsteps to follow. Amen. And that's all right. I don't know if I'm mad or anointed. If you're a Christian, live like one. That's good, isn't it? If you're a Christian, start living like one. Start being committed. Start being responsible. Start living the way God wants you to live. Start accepting responsibility for the mistakes you make. Start asking God to forgive you for all those, that stuff you do that you know God's not pleased with. And when you repent, turn around. Start walking the other way. Somebody's following you. Give them a light to follow. That's your responsibility as a parent. Raising a child the right way. And when you fail, be honest with your child. That's, listen, I, I blew it, and that's not the way mom and dad's supposed to live. And that's not the way God wants mom and dad to live. And I apologize to you, and I ask God to forgive me. And if you'll help me, I'll do better tomorrow. You do that with your child. Leave them something to follow. Leave them faith to follow, footsteps to follow, so that where you, they're going, they'll wind up in heaven. If they follow you, where are they going to wind up? Amen. Raising children, full-time job. I'd like to be able to say today I've done it all right, but that'd be a lie. You can do your best, though. You can do your best. You got a legacy. You have your own personal history, and you have your own family tree, and we are all, we are all less than perfect. But day, today would be a great day to make a decision, start doing things different, wouldn't it? Today's a great day to make a decision, God. I repent of my failures. I, re I repent of, of my slothfulness. And today I'm going to make a decision to start walking the right way. With your help today. With your help today, I'm going to start walking a different way. And giving, giving the generation behind me something to follow that's going to wind up at, at, in, the gates, uh, in the gates of eternity going the right way. Amen? Amen. All right. Hey, give God a good, good hand, okay? I want our families to come today. I, did you bring that note up here? Uh, don't go. Get, Bill, hand me that little note. We got three three babies today. I get it. I get, come on, baby. All right. I want the parents to come first. Just the parents of Tristan, Patrick, you and Missy, come on. Michael and Vanessa, you, you guys bring Michael and come on up here. Nick, Megan, bring me on up here. I just want the parents up here first. You guys come on and bring those babies. While they're coming, I want to I want to read what what they what the parents read and fill out. It talks about the dedication of children. The act of dedicating children to the Lord was a common practice of blessing among the people of God in both the Old and New Testament periods. 
In addition, was also a statement of recognition on the part of the parents that their child really belonged to God. As Christians today, we dedicate children with the same purpose in mind. I want you to stand up and face me. As Christians today, we dedicate children with the same purpose in mind. Dedication is not the impartation of salvation upon a child, but rather a public expression of faith and commitment on the part of the parents and a blessing on the part of God through His church. This act by the parents is a prayerful declaration of their pledge to do all they can as God gives wisdom to raise their child, to respect and honor God, and to love and serve Jesus Christ. Are you going to, and that's what this is all about. It's not so much about this baby. It's about you parents taking and making a commitment today to living and serving Jesus and imparting the faith that you have to this child. That's what this baby dedication is all about. This baby dedication is all about realizing and accepting the responsibility that this baby is a gift from God. He came, this baby came from the Lord. And now he has placed this baby within your care to raise it in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. You're going to leave this child a legacy. You're going to leave this child something to follow. Hopefully your footsteps and following your example is going to be a powerful uh, influence on this child's life that's going to result in him and her receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That is our responsibility. And that's what a baby dedication is all about. This baby is not even going to remember this. Most of them asleep now. They'll probably cry when we pray for them in a few minutes. That's about all they'll know. They'll probably think we're doctors. But they're not going to remember this. All they probably think is we're going to give them a shot or something. They're not going to remember, but you are. Because today, you're making a commitment to the Lord to live your life in a manner worthy that this child can follow to find its way to heaven. That's what you're going to accept today. I want to give you these flowers, the little yellow flowers to the, to the baby. Little yellow flowers. Yellow symbolizes the, 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 the rising of the sun or the birth or the birth of a new day or the birth of a baby, the beginning of life. Boy, these babies, there's some big babies here today, aren't they? Wow. Why are you feeding those babies anyway? Wow. It, it, the birth of a baby is, is a miracle. Now, awesome enough to know, this is the dawning of a new life, but before this baby was born, God knew it. While this baby was in your womb, God knew this baby. And inside your womb, God the Holy Spirit was inside your womb. Though you may not have noticed it, though you may not have felt it, God the Holy Spirit was in your womb, fashioning and weaving into this baby's life exactly what God wanted to have to fulfill its destiny and purpose in this life. That is an awesome thought. And with the, with the miracle of a birth, there's miracle of purpose. There was a birth of purpose. God has a purpose for this baby's life. God has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose for your life. But babies aren't born by accident. They're born by design. God the Father knew that these children would be here and that they would be in this world. Not that they, were, they, that they preexisted, but he knew they would be here. And with the birth of this child was the birth of purpose. And you were involved in training this baby. It's dawn, the flower represents the dawning of that life, and they've entrusted it to your care. Give the white to the, to the mom. White is a symbol of purity. Purity of a mother's love. There's just something about the love of mothers that is special. It's, it's closest to the God kind of love there is. No matter what this baby grows up to do, it'll never destroy your love for it. That's just the way mamas are. 
They can grow up. I know those kids that was climbing those things there at Costco. That mother loved them. They was out of control, but she still loved them. You know what I mean? I would have jerked them up and done different, but they, you know, she's going to take those kids home. I thought, why? <laughs> That's a bad without a mama. No matter what these kids do, you can pull them down off the shelves 15 times and there's something special about a mom's love. But listen, you're going to be its first teacher. When this baby comes to you about the questions about life, you're going to be the first one that, he, that they'll ask. What about, why am I here? What's the purpose in life? You're going to be the first teacher. And I'm challenging you today, I'm calling your record today, you teach this baby about the love of God and that God has a purpose in their life. Will you do that? All right, give the red flowers to the, to the dads. Red is a symbol of the blood of Jesus. Dad, you're the priest of the home. God has designed that you would be the one that protect the home. You're the one to provide for the home. You're going to be the one that God holds responsible for the home. On that day in the future, when we stand before God and we give an, we give an account of our stewardship and our priesthood, he's going to ask you, Dad, what did you do with the gifts that I gave you? Did you take care of them? Did you do your best? Doesn't mean that we're perfect, but he's going to ask you if you did your best. Did you do the right thing? Did you do the right thing? Your job is to protect the home. Don't let anything come into these homes that's going to, that's going to destroy this baby's faith. Teach them the right way. Protect them. Provide for them. Amen? I want you to spread out just a little bit and give some room. I want the rest of the families to come. All the families. Give room for your families to get in around you, okay? Get, give room for your families. Come on, families. Grandparents, moms, dads, come on. Get in around these kids. Lord. We got Tristan. Tristan. Which one's Tristan? Tristan. All right. Boy, look at her. She's watching me, isn't she? Whew. Got her eye on me. We got Michael. Where's Michael? Michael, 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 Michael. All right. Oh, I tell you, and this one. Mia, she's a dandy, isn't she? I don't know what you're feeding that. Are you responsible, grandma's responsible for that kid being that big? Huh? Huh? Oh, I'm telling you. Whoo. Man, I won't, I won't. Come on, get in around here. Now listen, all you grandparents and parents, in-laws, outlaws, uncles, aunts, all of you have a, listen, when we talk, when 20 years from now, when they're talking about their family tree, they're going to be talking about you. All those family trees that have got a few nuts hanging off of, that's you. Okay? That's you. You're going to have a part in this. I'm telling you, you're going to have a major part in this baby's life. They're going to be associated with you. If Jesus tears, they're going to be associated with you for several years to come. How you conduct your life. And how, how you live your life is going to influence these babies in a positive or negative way. Now, I realize, I realize that some of you is going to be closer than, than others. But I'm telling you, all of you are going to have an effect and influence on this baby. You may not think so, but these children are going to watch you. If the Lord tarries, you're going to be at their ball games. You're, you're, going, to be, you're going to be at their, at their play practices. You're going to, you're going to be in part uh, and fellowship with their life. And I'm, and I'm asking you, listen up now, I'm asking you, to be a part of adding something positive to this baby's life. Will you do that? Will you help impart faith to this baby? Will you do that? I'm asking you to make a commitment today to live in such a way that this baby is going to have, you're leaving a legacy behind 
for this child. You're leaving footprints for this child to follow. And it's very important that we leave a, something positive behind. Will you do that? All right, I'm looking at you. Okay, come on, some, some of my uh, uh, council members. Kane, Connie, you guys, come on. Some of my council members, come on. We're going to pray. Don, what? A, hey, you're going to pray. Well, can you pray over this baby? I'll let you pray over this baby. Will you do that? That? All right. Come on up here. Kane, Connie, is, is, come on. Mike and Sonny, where you guys at? Come on over here to these babies. Come on over here. Spread out so we can get in here. Scott, you guys, go down here. All right. All right, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray, and then you guys pray with me, okay? Just lay your hands on these children. God, they're such special kids. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lay our hands on these children today. Well, God, I pray that you'll just do a special work in their life. God, you, you knew them and you fashioned them even before they took their first breath. They, they, you were aware of them. You, was, you, you wove the, the fabric and the abilities, the talents that these children would need to fulfill their destiny and purpose in you. And I lay hands on them today, God, as a, as a church. Church members, stretch your hands this way, will you? Just stretch your hands this way. Pray with us. God, for these children, that you'll keep your hand upon them. Your, give your angels charge over them, God. Protect them and, and guard them, Lord God. And do a special work of grace in their life. And we commit them back to you today. Acknowledging, God, that they, they came as a gift from you. And we now lay hands on them and dedicate them back to you. And purposing and, and accepting the challenge today in our life to do everything we can to train these children in the right way. God, do it for your glory. Do it for your glory today. Now lay your hands on the mom, all of you around. Lay your hands on the moms and the dads, will you? Lay your hands on the moms and the dads. We're going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we appreciate these parents bringing these kids to you. It's more than a ceremony, God. It's, it's more than a ceremony. It's more than just dedicating this baby back to you. But it's committing our lives, committing the life of this, this father, this mom, committing our lives back to you, committing and pledging ourselves to live a life of faith in front of them and to leave them a positive legacy to follow. God, I pray that you'd open all the right doors of opportunity for provision, open all the right doors of opportunity, God, for uh, supplying the needs into this home. God, give them grace and wisdom to, to train this child uh, in, in the right way. Let us uh, Give us the ability to impart faith, and may you give us the courage to walk a straight path for this child to follow. We are leaving a legacy of, 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 uh, of strength behind them, Lord God, that they can follow in a positive way. Do it, Lord God, for your glory today. We commit ourselves to it today, God. We commit ourselves to do it today. Acknowledging the fact that this baby came from you, we pledge him to raise him uh, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Amen. Uh-oh, we woke her up. Now we're in for it. I want you guys to just turn around and face the congregation this morning. Will you do it? Kind of turn around and face the congregation. Will you do that? Turn around and just kind of face the congregation. Just kind of line up, okay? Leave, leave room for people to come by and take a look at this baby as they come through. Stand with me this morning, will you, all across the building. I want, we're going to dismiss you, but I want you to come up here and shake hands with these families. Take a look at these babies, will you? And tell them you appreciate them committing their lives to the Lord and these babies to the Lord. Will you do it? God bless you guys. We'll see you tonight, 6 o'clock.